What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chickens. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. We are live from the University of Akron, ladies and gentlemen. This is the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is the May 22nd edition of Sports Power Talk. My name is Jake Murren, and I'll be the host of your show today. We have a great show today stacked with all the latest and greatest sports headlines. But before we get into everything, let me introduce one of my fabulous guests, when applicable. He is our bracketologist, now on for two weeks in a row He's Jeff Longville. Good morning, everybody. And now it is with no pleasure that I introduce my next guest. His takes are worse than his appreciation for his hometown athletes. Of course, he is my arch rival. His name is Logan Congrove. Good morning, evil Mr. Murren. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show today, guys. All right, we have a lot to get into on today's program, but I want to hear from you guys first. What are both of you looking forward to most for today's show? For me, I'm looking forward to previewing this Ohio State-Notre Lame game. Notre Lame game. Okay. Notre Lame game. Okay. The Miami Heat. Ugh. Lame. We're going to be hearing That's this. That's even lamer than Notre Lame. <laughs> We're going to be hearing this all day, Jeff. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. We'll heat get culture. It, yeah. Other than that, though, we are going to touch on the rest of the NFL and college football. Some drama going on. We'll start with that. Then go right into the NBA playoffs and the lottery draft that snuck up on me. I don't know if it kind of was a surprise to you guys, but all of a sudden it was the lottery day and it kind of just snuck up on me this week. Um, Other than that, though, of course, our MLB segment to wrap up the show and a new player of the week segment that I'm really looking forward to as well. Something that we're introducing to the show and we'll hopefully do every single week. So stay tuned for that. But let's get into college football actually making headlines right now and it's off season when it usually doesn't and we'll start with the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban drama so these guys actually won a title together at LSU but right now Texas A&M has had the best recruiting class in the country they had it last year and they signed five five-star prospects in the 2022 ESPN 300 with 20 of them ranked in the top 150 according to ESPN the class is widely considered the top rated group in the modern era of recruiting rankings. Nick Saban said, quote, 
A&M bought every player on on their team. They made a deal for name, image, likeness. We didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. In response, Jimbo Fisher said that their relationship is over and, quote, I don't cheat and I don't lie. I learned that when I was a kid. If you do, your old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe someday or maybe somebody should have slapped him. Talking about Nick Saban. What do you guys make Sheesh. of wow. this coach drama between former allies at LSU turned bitter rivals at Texas A&M and Alabama? So I think that there's no way that schools aren't using NIL and they're recruiting. Like, not even a little bit. I think every school is doing it at least a little bit. Should they be doing it? No. But because according to the NCAA rules, it's legal, I can't really blame them for doing it. So for Nick Saban to say that we're not cheating and for Jimbo Fisher to say that they're not cheating, I don't really believe either of them. But I don't think anybody should be called out for, quote-unquote, buying their players when it is legal. And I do believe every school is doing it. I'm going to agree with Jeff there. I think that most major college programs at this point, now that NIL is allowed in the collegiate sport, I think most college coaches are probably using it, and that's okay. Like, there's, I am personally not an NIL fan. I don't think that it should have been implemented into college sports, but because it is a part of college sports, I don't see why coaches aren't allowed to use it. And I will say that I'm not saying that NIL is the main reason why Texas A&M had the best recruiting class. They've been a pretty solid team the past couple of years, finished pretty high in the final rankings, and they had a pretty good recruiting class last year too. So yeah. I think there's other aspects that contributed to that as well. I will say I am surprised that Texas A&M has done this one recruiting just because when you think of the top schools that are competing every year, you know, you have your Ohio State, your Alabamas, maybe even Georgia in there as well, some other Big Ten teams. But Texas A&M isn't one of those teams that necessarily sticks out. And to have one of the most dominant recruiting classes, according to ESPN and college football analysts, it's kind of surprising and it makes this whole NIL deal seem like it could be happening with Texas A&M. So I think that Nick Saban might be right calling him out. But then again, if it is a legal thing for them to use these NIL to uh, persuade players to come to their school, then it's another thing. So we'll see what happens there. But Fisher also brought up that Saban has done some shady things in the past as being a collegiate coach, which kind of surprised me, throwing him under the bus as well. Uh, Saban has said since that he shouldn't have singled anyone out and called it a mistake, but they will meet on October 8th in Tuscaloosa, so that will be a very entertaining matchup this season in college football. Logan, something you said that stuck out to me, though, is that you're not a big fan of the NIL deals and you wouldn't have liked them to be implemented in the first place. Are you more of like a college athlete shouldn't be paid type of guy, or are you just not a fan of the NIL? I, I'm i indifferent, I would say. I think that for the big-name players, I think if, if universities are going to, say, sell C.J. Stroud's jersey, I think C.J. Stroud should definitely receive a portion of that. But I'm just not a big fan of all like the advertisements and like endorsement deals and stuff like that. I just think it hinders the idea of college sports. I feel like in college sports, that is... You are, your ultimate goal, I mean, for most college athletes, your ultimate goal is probably to go play in the pros if you're a major college athlete. And I think part of that is to be able to get to the pros and make money. If you're already making money in college, like I feel like it hinders, it hinders the process of becoming a pro athlete. 
Okay, interesting. Jeff, do you have any response to that? So I think that college athletes should be paid because they make a lot of money for the university and they should be compensated for that. But I don't think that NIL should really be a part of recruiting. I don't think it should be a part of the pitch. I think that it should be put on the athletes themselves to find their own NIL deals once they get to campus. Maybe there can be like an office set up that can like direct athletes, hey, this place is looking for a sponsorship or whatever. But I think discussing NIL opportunities during recruiting should be punishable. I completely agree with you. Um, For the longest time, I was more so on the side of college athletes should not be paid. And then I kind of switched. But I honestly like how NIL deals are supposed to work. So players don't get paid for their play on the field, athletic achievements, and cannot receive compensation as a means to get players to play for a certain school, which is the whole problem with the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban thing. Uh, Money can come from autograph signings, product endorsements, social media posts, and more like training camps and things like that. So like I said, I like how NIL deals are supposed to work, but how they are incorporated can be up in the air at times. I'm not sure what the NCAA could do, but certainly more regulation would be nice to ensure that these deals are working the way they're supposed to. And the players shouldn't be enticed to go to a school for more money because that is a huge decision that could dictate the collegiate and even professional future for a student athlete. You shouldn't be enticed as a 18-year-old to go to Texas A&M because you're going to make more money when that decision could be huge in your future to potentially being that pro athlete that many of these athletes strive to be. So that's my take on it. Do you guys think the NCAA should do something to regulate these NIL deals? I agree with Jeff. I think they should. each school should open up like an office to help direct students or athletes to NIL deals and opportunities. And I would also agree that, yes, it should be punishable to use it in the initial recruiting process. Although, like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan of NIL at all. But if it's going to be a thing, then I would agree that it should be regulated and punishable if it's used in an initial recruitment pitch. Mm, I agree. Um, using it as a pitch to try to get the best athletes should be punishable, 100%. All right, all in agreement on that one. Let's stick with college football, though, and let's transition to our very own Ohio State Buckeyes. Jeff, you're smiling. I am. It's great. We did open up as a big favorite against what you say, Notre Lame. Week one on September 3rd, we opened as a 13.5-point favorite. Do you guys think that line is justifiable, too much? What would you guys make of that when it came out? I would consider it to be justifiable. Uh, We've reloaded since last year. Notre Dame lost a lot of important pieces. We did too, but I don't think they reloaded as well as us. And the game is at home. Marcus Freeman, who I think will be a terrific coach one day, is going to be coaching his second ever game, and he lost his first one. I just think it's too much for Notre Dame to overcome against us in Columbus. I also think it's justifiable. I think this Ohio State team, Jake, you've talked about it before, this upcoming Ohio State team is probably – the best Ohio State team in a very long time, if not ever. So I think that's definitely a justifiable line, and I would agree that I just don't think that Notre Dame has the firepower to combat like Jackson Smith and Jigba and the rest of the Ohio State offense, and the defense for that matter. I agree with you, but some strong words there from one Logan Congrove. Let's predict their schedule, though. We did this last week with the Browns as the NFL schedules were released. The Ohio State schedule has been out for some time now. But let's predict this and see what the ceiling looks like for our very own Ohio State Buckeyes this coming season. So as we said, week one facing Notre Dame at home on September 3rd. 
Are we winning that game, gentlemen? Absolutely. We're winning, but it's closer than people expect. Okay. See, so I, I, I could see Notre Dame putting up a, a fight to cover the spread, but I don't think they'll win. Will be a primetime matchup week one. After that, we have four straight home games after our home opener. So five straight home games to start the season. We go Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, and Rutgers. Any threats there from those four teams? Wisconsin could put up a fight, but I don't see Ohio State losing any of those four games. I would agree. I think Wisconsin will be the biggest threat. Rutgers a little bit, but other than that, no, not really. I think this is the part of the season where we just completely dominate and put up 60-plus points. C.J. Stroud might be leaving the game in the third quarter quite often in some of these games. And, yeah, I see us going 5-0 and to start the season. Then we go on the road for the first time to play the Michigan State Spartans. Do you guys like this matchup, our first away game against a tough uh, conference opponent? Who do you guys like? Ohio State tends to have trouble with Michigan State, so I... If we were to have some form of upset, I think it could be Michigan State, but I'm still going to pick Ohio State to win the game. I would agree. The Spartans always give us a tough time, but they lost Kenneth Walker, who is the motor to their offense. I think it's going to be a lot for them to overcome, so I still got us winning. So I didn't want to be that guy who had us going undefeated this year, and I wanted to pick one loss at least because... I didn't. I just didn't want to be that guy, you know, pick, having my team going you undefeated. Be that guy. Yeah, I'm going to be that guy when it comes to like our ceiling because I think our ceiling is incredibly high this season. But I can see us dropping one game this season, whether it be a trap game, and five straight games in Columbus, going on the road for the first time against Michigan State. Mm. I I'm predicting that to be our trap game. Mm. I'm predicting a loss to Michigan State. But besides that, I have us winning out. Um, I just think Michigan State will be our loss. And then we go play Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and that team up north. Anything on those teams for me? Uh, That team up north is terrible, and (laughs) that will be a blowout. I can't wait for the revenge. That's all. This is what I'll say to the team up north fans. You enjoy this while you can, because come November, that streak is restarting. You, you lost your offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, who went to Miami. You lost your defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who went to the Ravens. Your new D.C., Jesse Minter, had a terrible defense at Vanderbilt. It's over. Okay. We got better at D.C. by hiring Jim Knowles. They got worse. And that was, that was the problem for us last year in the game was our defense. Jim, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. Jim Knowles is an incredible hire for the Buckeyes. Absolutely. Makes sense. You guys have the Buckeyes going undefeated mm-hmm. in the regular season, both of you? Yes. Yep. All right, interesting. I do have us losing that one game to Michigan State. I think we will drop one game, and I wasn't too confident in Michigan State, but looking at the schedule, I just think it makes the most sense. So I asked this question, what is our ceiling? Personally, I will be that guy here. I think our ceiling is being the national champions of college football with C.J. Stroud winning the Heisman Trophy. I think it's a two-man race with him and Bryce Young. But C.J. Stroud, I think he's going to come out on top. What do you guys think? I would agree. Natty, national champions. C.J. Stroud, I think, will win the Heisman. I think Trayvon Henderson might be the best running back in college football. And Jackson Smith and Jigba might be the best wide receiver in college football as well. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is better than both of the wide receivers that just got picked in the draft from Ohio State. And that's insane to me. And I think Ohio State's ceiling is definitely a national championship. 
at least a college football playoff berth, and I do see C.J. Stroud winning the Heisman Trophy. Get us back in that college football playoff. Get us back in that championship game with Heisman Trophy winner C.J. Stroud throwing the ball to what you guys think is one of the best wide receivers in the country. So interesting stuff there. Let's go to the NFL, though. The professionals and one professional who has retired might be coming back. We'll see what happens. His name is Drew Brees, of course. He is uncertain about his future. He tweeted on May 15th, quote, Despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, <laughs> coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. I would love to see Drew Brees play pickleball. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's a fun sport to play. Played it in the high school gym a couple times. It's a, it's a great sport. Good. But no, the everything that's sticking out to everybody he is the... He didn't no. answer, so he wasn't good. <laughs> no, oh, I didn't hear the question. Um, no, nah, it wasn't very good. Mm. <laughs> it's a hard sport. It's not, no, it's not the easiest one. Um, but the biggest thing from the quote is that he said, I may play football again. What did you make of this tweet? Do you think he could make a potential return to the NFL? What do you guys think? I don't think so, honestly. I think he was kind of playing into the rumors, just kind of joking about it. If he were to come back on the off chance, I don't think it would be with the Saints. I think they'd have to relinquish his rights, because I think at this point for the Saints, a young quarterback like Jameis Winston benefits guys like Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara more than Drew Brees, who can't even throw the ball 20 yards down the field anymore. Um, That's mean. It's it's true. I'm not on here to be nice, especially oh, not to Jake. We know, but yeah, I think if he does anything, it'll st- it'll be in the broadcast booth. But I definitely don't see him playing football. I think he was just playing into the rumors. I would agree. If he does come back, I don't think it would be for the Saints. Also, because Sean Payton has moved on, and Dennis Allen is a more defensive minded head coach, so I don't think Drew Brees would want to play for Dennis Allen. But he also just recently underwent another shoulder surgery. So I, I I think that plays into him just kind of saying that for speculation and not actually having any truth to it. Breeze does have the best passer rating over the last five seasons among qualifying quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if he still has it, but I agree with you guys. I think it's just all stirring up rumors. I don't think he will come back, but what you guys said is kind of interesting about the Saints in particular. I think if he were to come back, it would almost have to be for the Saints. I don't know why he would come back for any other team. You know, the Saints are his hometown team, played there most of his career. Um, but, yeah, I think he would come back to the Saints Maybe if he Miami were. Gets I was him in just going to say that. If Drew Brees comes back, it'll be for the Miami Dolphins. Really? I don't see him doing that. I don't see him wanting to come back for a team other than the Saints. But, no, I'd like to see him in the broadcast booth. I, I liked him as an analyst, but we'll see what happens for the future for Drew Brees. Another quarterback making headlines this week, of course, it's our very own Deshaun Watson. He took the offense on a bonding trip to the Bahamas. About 30 players took a private jet to the Bahamas. Watson booked a block of rooms at a luxury resort and covered it all. And the trip featured on-field workouts each day, as well as private group breakfasts and dinners. Deshaun Watson truly went all out, taking 30-plus members of the offense and the team in general to the Bahamas. What did you guys make of this kind of wild story? What I took away from this is, honestly, I'm going to say something nice about our former quarterback, believe it or not. Oh, I love it. I'm seriously going to say something nice. If, If I am Baker Mayfield seeing that, I am 
I would have tried to go, to be honest. <laughs> I, I would have, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm doing everything I can right now to make the Browns extremely uncomfortable to either trade him or do something like up his value. If I'm, I'm going, I know he's injured right now, but I'm going to the workouts. I'm showing my face. I'm making stuff awkward to push my way somewhere else. <laughs> I could be big. Also, so he could go to the Bahamas. That'd be true. Cool. Yeah. I could see him being that guy. I could totally see him being that guy. Like Deshaun Watson's having a private conversation with like Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb and then, you know. Baker hey guys, in, what's going on? Puts his arms around them. Hey, what's going on, guys? What you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, Baker Mayfield was not invited. Um, I mean, we, this we've seen this thing in the past. You know, Baker Mayfield has even took guys on uh, workouts to other states. I don't think it's ever been to the Bahamas before, and certainly not this um, type of luxury resort and all that stuff going on too. Um, any other takeaways from this Watson thing? I know it was kind of crazy. I, I like the move because Deshaun Watson, he's the new leader of the offense for a team he hasn't played for yet. So this was a, hey, let's all get together. Let's get some work in. Let's bond together. Let's let's show this new team that I'm on that I'm serious about committing to the right. Browns. And also, I don't want to speculate here, but I want to believe that there's got to be some guys in the Browns locker room that do that, that are on Deshaun Watson's side, but also some that probably aren't. So this can kind of help get everybody on the same page. I know there's, again, I'm not. We all know I'm not a Baker fan, but I do think there's probably some guys in the locker room. I agree with Jeff that are more. Why did we get rid of Baker? What was the point in that? Baker was my friend. That's my quarterback. So I do think it's good for Watson to try and make that connection early, as opposed to having guys in his locker room that still don't see him as QB one. Whoever those players are, are my favorite players on the team. <laughs> Watch them, like, all be practice squad guys or something. <laughs> hey, maybe Baker will take the practice squad to, like, Myrtle Beach or something. Uh, that's where he's sitting all season. not a bad season. place. To that's where he's sitting all season. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to let it get to me today. just not going to let it happen. Um, one thing about Watson, though, of course, all these civil suits going down and his allegations towards him. He did meet with the NFL in an extensive and detailed investigation. Uh, meeting started on Monday in Houston and ended on Wednesday. Uh, he might have to meet with the NFL again, though, as some of his accusers are going on HBO for a joint public interview that is going to be released on Tuesday. Uh, nothing has been said yet on a potential suspension, but it's still likely that maybe like a four to eight game suspension might be coming or it could even wait until next season. Uh, we'll see what happens with this public uh, interview. Um, in the media's eyes, it might not do well, but I've heard in legal um, in lawyers' eyes and in the legal process of the civil suits, it might go well. So we'll see what happens for Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns next season. But before we go to break, let's do Around the Rue, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP. Sports, So we wanted to mix it up a little bit and have a bit of fun with this around the root question. So for those of you that don't know, LeBron James on Twitter had a bit of a Q&A on Monday. And Tom Brady, the GOATs of the National Football League, responded saying, you, me, who wins in a five-round hockey shootout? <laughs> so we're going to pose that question to our listenership. You can vote on the poll on our Twitter at WCIP Sports after the show. And the question this week is, who wins a five-round hockey shootout? Tom Brady or LeBron James? LeBron did respond to the tweet saying, me but barely maybe swinging from my knees, though. And 
I did a bit of research about exactly what a hockey shootout was. It's pretty simple, but me not being a biggest hockey fan, I wanted to make sure I got this under wraps. So each player would get five attempts to score and get a shot on goal. Whichever player scores the most goals in those five attempts wins. If tied, they go to a sudden death round. Who do you guys have in a hockey shootout? Tom Brady, LeBron James. So I can't say with any confidence that either of them has picked up a hockey stick in my entire life. But because Brady's the one that offered the challenge to LeBron, I would assume that he has some experience. So I'm actually going to take Brady here. Interesting. We also really... This is a tough one for you, yeah. actually, because I was going to say you really, really like Brady, but at the same time, LeBron James is your favorite well, basketball player. LeBron trumps Brady in terms of their respective sports, but in hockey, I don't I don't really have a, I don't know, you know? Who do you like more? LeBron. Okay. Interesting. But you're still picking Brady in hockey? For hockey, I, because he offered the challenge, I'll take Brady, yeah. All right. I would take Tom Brady as well, but I have a question for you that affects my response. Is... The goalie, like, say LeBron is in the goal. Is he padded? Is he wearing, like, the goalie pads? I would assume they would do it officially. Okay, I well, mean, if he gets hit with a puck, I would hope he would so have pads on. If, if the goalie is padded, Tom Brady wears pads every week, so he's going to be used to that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely picking Ooh, Tom Brady. Okay. All right. All right. A little bit of extra logic there. Uh, quick tale of the tape among these two men. Um, so Tom Brady's 44, LeBron James 37. Their heights, they do have a bit of a difference. Tom Brady's 6'4", LeBron James 6'9". LeBron James also has a 25-pound weight advantage, 250 compared to Tom Brady, who's at 225. Tom Brady does have seven rings, though, compared to LeBron James. So we'll see what happens there. Um, looking at the tail of the tape, I got to go LeBron James here. He's just the bigger man sitting in that goal. Sitting in that goal, he, the man's 6'9", 250. I, I think with pads on, he's covering even more distance. He'll get used to it. Might give up the first two rounds, but he'll make a comeback. I have a LeBron James winning the hockey shootout. But some mixed results here. Um, I honestly thought we would all go LeBron, so both of you guys going Tom Brady. Makes me even more interested to see what all of you have to say about that. Again, we'll be up on our Twitter page after the show. Vote either Tom Brady or LeBron James in a five-round hockey shootout. It's time for us to go to our first break of today's program. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA, not getting into the playoffs yet, but talking about the lottery draft, some changes to the trophies, as well as some Kyrie Irving news. So don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone. We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Moran. I'm the host of your show today. Alongside me are my analyst, Jeff Longville. What's up? And unfortunately, Logan Congrove. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Logan. All right, let's get into the NBA. And before we get into the playoffs, let's talk about some other news with the NBA. So there have been some changes to the trophies, and I'll rattle off the changes, and I'll get you guys' thoughts on them. So the new postseason trophies were designed in collaboration with artists Victor Solomon and Tiffany and Co. Uh, the Larry O'Brien will still be the NBA championship. Bill Russell will still be named for the finals MVP. The Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy is going to be named after Larry Bird. The Western Conference Finals MVP trophy is going to be named after Magic Johnson. 
The Eastern Conference Championship Trophy is going to be named after Bob Cousy. The Western Conference Championship Trophy is going to be named after Oscar Robertson. And the design changes, according to Bleacher Report, the Larry O'Brien Trophy shifts the ball and net configuration to look forward to symbolize the league's future. Also, the base now consists of two separate discs. The top one recognizes the first 75 years of the league, and the second recognizes the next 25 years of NBA champions. Do you guys like that they're naming more of the trophies for players and also some of the design changes as well? Mm-hmm. I like the the concept of having an Eastern Conference champion like MVP and Western Conference MVP. That's a really cool concept. And I like the I like how the net stands out on the Larry O'Brien and the Finals MVP trophies. That's a really cool addition they made. I disagree. I like the naming of the trophies, but I disagree with the conference finals MVPs because to me that is just a total participation trophy. How is it a participation trophy when they're you didn't the win. best? You didn't win anything yet. The ultimate goal is the NBA championship. So should they not get conference championship trophies either? There should not be a championship MVP. I I think the ban the idea like there's banners and trophies for that there always have been and that's fine that's a team achievement but why would you say you win hypothetically I'll even just so I don't sound biased say the Celtics beat Miami even though they're not going to so I don't sound biased the, right. <laughs> say that the Celtics win and Jason Tatum wins Eastern Conference MVP and then they go on and they get destroyed by hypothetically the Warriors in the finals what you think Jason Tatum's going to go home and look at his Eastern Conference MVP trophy and be like, wow, that's beautiful. I, I really I really achieved something. Because he beat the Heat to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Mm, not going to happen. But. I mean, there's got to be something in with like being the Eastern Conference champion and being the biggest player in that series, winning the MVP. I mean, there's got to be some pride in that. So I think it's fine that they included a trophy for him. I'm in right, total like, agreement with Jeff. Like, I would say, like, it's not, like, the biggest achievement you can earn, but, like, it's something you're recognized for at least being the best player on the team to make the finals from your respective conference. Exactly. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I just look. I just think it's a participation trophy at that point. Plus, I think they look amazing. Like, they have some They're gold. cool trophies. They have some gold on it that are starting to wrap around it, signifying that they're almost there. So, like, the the finals MVP and the Larry O'Brien trophy, both of those are completely gold. But then the conference champions ones being silver with a little bit of gold on it, symbolizing that their job isn't done. And that's kind of what that uh, conference finals MVP trophy that you so don't like for whatever reason um, (laughs) makes sense to me. You know, sure, even if they do get stomps in the finals, but you have that final or that conference finals MVP at home. It's fine. So you're telling me that if a guy like Kobe Bryant was playing today and received that trophy and then got stopped in the finals, he would go home to his house and say, hey, Vanessa, this trophy is awesome. We we just got destroyed, but this is super away, cool. Exactly. But that's Kobe. Not everybody's okay, great. Michael Jordan. You think Michael Jordan would go home and look no, at that trophy and say, white. that looks awesome. LeBron, you think LeBron's going to take a Western Conference trophy home and be like, yeah, this is really cool, but we got stopped. I I don't think this is about, like, players of the past or players right now. You know, like, this is going to be a trophy for the future. And, sure, players that have been the greatest of all time see that trophy and it means nothing to them because they're going for things that are greater. And players should have that mindset. But for upcoming players, say, like, Tyler Hero emerges. And maybe next year... They make the Eastern Conference Finals. 
they make the finals and Tyler Hero gets the conference championship or the conference MVP. That would probably mean something to a younger player like him. Well, Tyler Hero is an absolute legend, and I know that the dude is not going to so, care about that. I have a question for you, Logan, actually. Yeah, so since you Jeff. brought up Kobe, he won MVP in 2008, mm-hmm. and that year the Lakers went to the finals, lost to the Celtics. So are you telling me that Kobe Bryant went home and went, wow, this MVP trophy is really cool? Like like, like you were saying earlier, that's a, or do you he, think he, he actually treasured it? That is, honestly, that's a tough question because he's just an unpredictable guy. I think it being a league MVP, probably a little different, but I still think he probably looked at it and wasn't totally satisfied because he was never really an individual performance type of guy. I just don't think that stuff mattered to right, him. Right, but, like, I'm saying, like, was he, like, you think he'd be like, oh, this is terrible, I hate this because I didn't win the championship. Like, I feel like you can kind of apply that mindset to the But it's a thing. league MVP. It's different than just a random series. A random for, series uh, yeah. that determines who goes to the finals? Yeah. It's, uh, not, it's not a random series. I think you have to take some pride in winning your conference and making the finals. And having an MVP of that series, I have no problem with it. Sure, some players might be striving for more than just that trophy and more than just that accomplishment. But for others, I think it's a fine accomplishment. And for future players receiving that trophy, I think in the future it's going to be one of those things that players kind of strive for. So. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but let's get into some other NBA news. Last week in the Around the Root question, 69% of our voters thought that Joel Embiid should have won the NBA MVP award <laughs> over Nikola Jokic. Jeff, I know you're the only guy who wants Nikola Jokic. Uh, I believe Pat and I last week were rooting for Joel Embiid. So, Logan, new on the show this week. Who would you have voted for? Did you vote? Who did you vote for? And should Joel Embiid have won the NBA MVP award? 100% Joel Embiid. Hey. Listen to me, right? If you take Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris away from the Sixers, Joel Embiid does not carry them as well as Nikola Jokic carries the Nuggets. What? Enough said. No. He doesn't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. How, how does he? Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid is so dominant at his position that it, he the Sixer the Sixers didn't even have those players half of his career so far and he's still been dominant his whole career. He's been I think he's been snubbed twice, honestly. But yeah, Jokic the Nuggets just don't appeal to me. Like Jokic just doesn't appeal to me. Embiid I feel like the MVP is about more than just like if your team is succeeding. I think the MVP is about your presence on the court, obviously your play on the court. And I think you have to be an interesting and explosive player. And I just don't see Jokic being that explosive. He's a boring guy. I will say that Embiid is more dominant in the aspect of scoring. But as far as overall like benefiting your team, Jokic is more valuable because he can score, not as well as Embiid, but he can also get others involved with his playmaking. He can lead the offense. He's a more well-rounded player than Joel Embiid. Hence, he's more valuable to his team. Hence, he carries them harder than Embiid does if he loses his two best co-stars. Hence, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Interesting stuff there. Jeff, I don't think anybody is going to change your Did mind Did he win on that. or not? That's all that matters. Did he okay, win or not? Okay, but we also discussed the voting and how I was just gonna say. ridiculous the voting is. So you can't really use that logic. They, they got it right this time. They got it right. We saw the tip. Like, Listen, Joel Embiid will win next year. Votes. He'll win next year. He's going to win eventually. It'll be next year. What if he doesn't? 
I don't know, man. It's not my problem. <laughs> also on last week's show, Jeff, we talked about the Lakers and their head coach search. Um, reportedly, there are finalists with Terry Stotes and Bucks assistant coach Darvin Ham. He was reportedly the top option. Who's Terry Stotes, bro? Stotts. I messed man, it up. Man, we discussed <laughs> Come this. Come on, man. We practiced this. I know. I'm not good at pronunciations outside the UFC. Was, so you say that guy's name real quick. So Habib Nurmagomedov. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, it rolls off my tongue now, man. Mm-hmm. But no, Terry Stotts. There you go. Uh, it just... Simple Six names. Letters, simple dude. Na- Six letters, I know, but simple <laughs> names that could have multiple pronunciations. Man. You just pick the wrong one every time. Yeah, and I always thought it was Terry Stotes. I didn't think it was Stotts. So you guys telling me before the show that it's Stotts just didn't didn't register in my brain. But mm. regardless, the finalist Terry Stotts and Bucks assistant coach Darvin Ham, who is reportedly the top option. Um, what do you make of that, Jeff? So Terry Stotts has 11 years experience, which is great. Most wins in a season is 54. He only has one conference finals appearance, which he was swept by Golden State a couple years ago. And then only two semifinals appearances. And in his nine years as the head coach of the Blazers, they've had not the best talent, but decent talent most of the time. But they've always underachieved. And we have that whole thing where Damian Lillard didn't seem to want him towards the end of his tenure in Portland. But he is known for building relationships with his star players. So I don't know if Dame is just the exception or or what. Um, He has a lot of experience and has always been creative offensively. But his his underachieving thus far is something that does scare me. Darvin Ham, though, has, has never been a head coach, but he is one of the top assistants, according to many people in the league. Um, but again, no head coaching experience, which does kind of scare me a little bit too. But I'm leaning more towards Darvin Ham because of Stotts' inability to win in the postseason. And we don't know what we'll get from him, but I would like to see a rookie head coach. I'd like to see what he could do with the Lakers. So I'll, I'll lean Darvin Ham's way here. Yeah. Ham got his start with the Lakers in 2011, worked as an assistant under Mike Brown, spent five seasons with the Atlanta Hawks, and has been with the Bucks for the past four years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with the Lakers. Um, some other NBA news, though. Some potential rule changes, one being a change uh, to the NBA's transition take fell. Uh, rule change would award the offensive team with one free throw and retaining possession after a transition take foul. The rule is already in place in the G League, and there's been a lot of consideration into moving it into the NBA itself. Would you guys like to see this move? What do you make of it? So the current rule is it's two foul shots and then possession, right? I am not too sure what the current rule is. I believe that but is the, the current transition rule. take foul would change it to one free throw and retaining possession. Are we saying that's in general or like if they're in the bonus? I think it's more of an in general. Oh, foul. I don't. I don't like that at all. Actually, like I don't like the take foul either. But I understand why they do it to stop the fast break. But if it's not like a clear path or anything, I don't see why you have to give the team in transition free chances at the free throw line. I'd agree with Jeff. Yeah, I just think it's trying to avoid the fast break, but then at the same time just let it happen because, you know, they're going to dunk it, get the two points, but with this they're getting two free throws, or getting one free throw and possession could be 
could end up doing more with it. Um, we'll see if that takes or goes into effect. Um, already in the G League, like I said, uh, a lot of players have liked this proposition, so we'll see if the NBA adopts it this season. Also, there has been rumors of a potential in-season tournament coming as soon as the 2023 and 24 season. Following the success of the play-in tournament, the NBA wants to add another competitive event. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said that, said that the league is moving closer to it, and there is a fair amount of interest among players. What, what, are, they guys, de- what are they defining as success for the play-in tournament? Because I'll be honest, I don't like the play-in tournament. I, I like, don't either. I like the play-in tournament. I do not. I like it a lot. Well, are they saying it's successful because it's still around, or like is that the general consensus is that most people like I it? I feel like the general consensus is that most people enjoy the play-in tournament. I mean, we get more action before the actual playoffs start. Logan, we're intellectuals. That's what I just we think are. You, you're a Cavs fan, Jake, right? Yes? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So if the plan didn't exist, you realize that the Cavs would have just made it, right? Like we would have been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it. I don't. I'm just not a playing guy. I, I'd rather we the best to, eight teams make it. Earn it. If you lose, well, I'm you not lose. saying that. Are you, you not one of the? It. Are you not one of the best eight teams? If you what can't you mean, get through the play-in, what do you mean you have to earn it? You play 82 games in a season to earn it. Mm-hmm. What is two more okay. games in a play-in? I mean, I get that, but are you not one of the top eight teams in the conference if you can't get through the play-in tournament? Apparently not. Yeah, I guess I not. Apparently so. not. Well, I mean, with and I'm not just saying that because the Cavs lost out last year. I've never liked it. Like, I understood it for the bubble because the season was short, but then bringing it back in, like the year after in an this year, I was season, like, no. it makes no sense. Yeah, I don't get mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm also an advocate for shortening the regular season, keeping the uh, play-in, even shortening the first round of the playoffs to a five-game series. How short would you go regular season? Um, So right now it's 82. I mean, you can even shave off up to 10 games. Maybe take I'm, it down to I'm, 72. I'm okay with that. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, part of the uh, in-season tournament that's being discussed, though, would include shortening the season from 82 to 78 games. See, to me, that's just four games. That's not really enough. Um, I would, I'm would. i fine with like a more of a 72-game season, but um, I don't care. As long as the players are happy, and that's really what matters, because um, they're the ones going out there on the court. What did, like Define an in-season tournament. Like, What right. do you... So what do you win? The article I read. So according to that's a participation trophy. Logan. Yes, yeah, it, it really is though. So according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, that was of terrific. Course, see, Good job. They got you, it. Jeff. <laughs> Terry Stotts, Terry Stotes. I I don't know, but just call Woj, him Woj. I got. Just yeah. call him Woj. I mean, I, I got the last name. So. And you didn't though. I didn't. We no. were being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it Wo- is it Wojnarowski? But just call him Woj. Everybody just calls him Woj. Habib Nurmagomedov. I'll just redeem myself every time by saying that for the UFC. But no, Woj said it would begin with pool play as part of the regular season schedule prior to teams with the best records advancing to an eight-team single elimination tournament that would culminate prior to Christmas. I don't really know even if I understand that. What's the point? I don't don't understand the point, and I don't understand why... They would even try to do something like this, and it just sounds complicated. Right. Like, my question is, other than it being different and sort of, like, giving you a break in the middle of the season, what is the point? Like, I don't I don't get it. I read, like, they were trying to imitate some other leagues. You know, some other leagues have that in-season play, like a... Not, like, like in college basketball, kind of? 
Yes. I guess okay. like college basketball, they have that. Um, even in the WNBA, I read that they do something like this, some kind of cup that they win. It's like a tournament to get this trophy. MLS um, kind of does similar stuff, too. Okay. Like CONCACAF and stuff. Yeah. Soccer does it. Um, I think they were just trying to incorporate something like that. I don't know how much that trophy or cup winner of that would really be held. I don't, I don't know. Right. Would now, the winner of that cup be the favorite to win the finals? Right. I, I don't know how it would work. Now, I have another question based off of your possible reasoning for them competing with other um, leagues. Out of all those leagues, which one of those is more popular than the NBA? I mean, none. The MLS, maybe? No. Logan, you might. None. Are you being sarcastic? Because <laughs> I'm an MLS fan, but there's no way the MLS is more popular than. I mean, I just know soccer is popular worldwide. The, the MLS, so I don't know. if. I know we talked about it in the group chat. If Lionel Messi and Neymar were to seriously come to the MLS, yes, I think the MLS skyrockets in popularity. But where I, we are. I would agree. But where we are right now, the MLS is such an inconsistent league and the NBA is so solidified yeah. and mm-hmm. I would say NFL and NBA are are just that much above everything else in popularity right so now. So my my point with that was the NBA does not need to compete with all these other leagues when they're already far superior to it. So I just don't no, understand that. No, point. you're right and I'm not I'm just trying to answer your questions. I'm not an advocate for the <laughs> in-season tournament. I think that the NBA doesn't need it. They are dominant. And that they don't need to have this in-season tournament that likely means nothing. So I completely agree with you guys. Um, I'm just trying to clear it up for both of you and for everybody listening because it is a very complicated thing. And we'll see if it comes. But uh, the fact that players might be into it and you know, even just shaving off those four games from the season might be interesting to some players. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, Adam Silver did say the league is moving closer to it, though. So we'll see what happens in the future of the NBA. But something I really want to talk about, one of my favorite players in the NBA, a player that both of you guys don't like. You done? Say it. His name or? Yeah. (laughs) One Kyrie Irving. (laughs) I mean... What we're going to talk about, though, should not receive this reaction because I think this no, is actually fine. more it's serious. Just I still don't like the guy. Players. That's what I have a problem with. Flat Earth. No, no, I mean, I, yeah. I really do like Kyrie Irving. Why? Both on the court. Why? I know we argued about this last time, so I won't ask why this time. We'll, I mean, just get, we'll get to besides, that. Besides what he did to Cleveland, I just like the basketball player that he is. Like, his type of play, I just enjoy watching him play. So I... Yeah. Is that pretty, fair? It's pretty, okay. it's pretty fun to watch. All right. I'll say that. He's fun to watch. All and right. what he did for Cleveland, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players. Whatever. Um, in this article, he was on a show, and he said that his immaturity and isolation cost the Cavaliers, quote, more championships. Um, he said, if I was in the same maturity line and understanding of who I am, and I look back, we definitely, definitely would have won more championships because there would have been a better man-to-man understanding about what I'm going through. I didn't know how to share my emotions. I didn't know how to do that. So instead of sharing, I isolated myself. Uh, He wished he had confronted LeBron about his decision beforehand, saying me and him in the league together running Cleveland and then being able to put a better team together every single year would have definitely been worth it. Some interesting stuff right there from Kyrie uh, going through some mental health issues, it sounds like, when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers and saying his immaturity and isolation cost us more championships. What did you guys make of these comments from Kyrie Irving? I think that I think that's big of Kyrie to say, honestly. Um, I think that Kyrie 
knows that he had it best in Cleveland out of all the other positions he's been in right now. And I think he's learned in the back of his head that he probably should have maybe just sat under LeBron's wing and realized the greatness of LeBron and listened to him. And as opposed to being like, man, this was my team first. I'm not listening to you. I'm my own star. And then he tried to sit out on his own, and then he blew up another franchise. But That really loves him. Yeah, they really like him. I, <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. But I think he's understanding more and more that Cleveland was his best situation. He was so supported by the fans, and he was so supported by his co-star. And I think he let that slip under the rug when he left. I agree with Logan 100%. Um, before he left Cleveland, he never had any controversy attached to him. And he left to go to Boston to be his own man. And they were better without him than with him. And then he went to Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and all that stuff. Uh, I'm glad that he realized, that he spoke up about how he realized he did have a best in Cleveland and that he wished he would have handled that situation better. And I do agree. If he would have stayed, we definitely would have won at least another championship with him because LeBron and Kyrie together was special. Do you think that before he went on this show, is there any chance that he spoke with LeBron and maybe said, like, hey, I'm sorry? I feel like that conversation has taken place, mm-hmm. I, regardless of whether it was before the show. Right. Um, or it could be, like, the year after he left. I don't know. But I do feel like that conversation has taken place. But, I mean, Jeff, something you said, there was no controversy with him in Cleveland. I just feel like the, it wasn't public, you know? That that could be true. Like, it, it sounds like he was very isolated, and he even talked about playing as a team in a cohesive unit on the court and how he would go into Cavs games just not feeling that way with his team. And it just feels like the Kyrie that we know now is obviously very different than the Kyrie that we had in 2016 on the Cavaliers. But... I think the Kyrie that we have now is better just because he has matured and he's gotten better mentally. And I think that is an admirable process, and him sharing that process could even help others. And people grow and mature over time. Uh, Nothing is a better teacher than experience and what life throws our way. I can't blame him for going through, like, the turbulation with the Cavs, but two two positives came out of this. Uh, One, being that Kyrie's mental health has improved. And two, the Cavs did win that one NBA title in 2016. So it wasn't like we were left with nothing. At least we did get one. So any any last takes on the Kyrie Irving uh, situation before we head into break? I have a question for you. Yes. If we hadn't won in 2016, how would you feel about Kyrie right now? Ooh. Hypothetical. I hate him like many of our fans do. Just because I do enjoy him as a player. Like, even when LeBron and Kyrie stepped on the court together, I was a bigger Kyrie fan than I was LeBron. He just, he was just interesting to me. How he played even the years prior, uh, before LeBron came back, when Kyrie was the guy on the Cavs. Um, Kyrie was that guy to me. Uh, Growing up watching him play, just, I was a big fan of Kyrie. So, even without the championship, I would probably still be a slight fan, but I don't think I would be as deep as you guys are. Can you buy uh, a Kyrie jersey since you're such a big fan? I don't have, I don't own a single NBA jersey, Jeff. Well, so Kyrie you, can be you your gotta first. Gotta get one. Gotta get one. I don't own a, a Brooklyn I, Nets Kyrie jersey. I used to have, I actually used to have. I'll get it for you. A, I mean, if you're getting something for me, if it's free, it's for me. I got me. you. I got you. <laughs> Hey, you hit me up, man. You can um, have my Boston one. I have not worn that in two years. Uh, nah. Green's not my color, man. I don't like it. It's out in the road right now because the Heat are going to beat them. 
threw it out my window. Well, we will get into that when we come back from break. Also, we'll touch on the drafts with the lottery results coming out this week. All that and more left to come on Sports Power Talk. Hello again, everyone. We are back with more Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Marin. I'm the host of your show, joined by my analyst, Jeff Longville. I got you, Jake. Ochai Agbaji. I'll say it later. I'm not (laughs) confident at the top of the segment. And unfortunately, my arch rival, Logan Congrove. What's going on? Not too many. Saw it. Saw it. Not too many disagreements between us so far. Yet. Oh, yes. They're coming up. We're about to get We're not into at that point yet, some more NBA talk and your very own Miami Heat that you're going to fantasize about. Fantasize. And root for, and Jeff and I just aren't here for it. But it's we'll unfortunate. Get, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, first, let's talk about the NBA draft and the lottery uh, that went down. Did this come up on you guys like it did yes. for me? I did not expect it, and then all of a sudden it was the day that they were getting released. <laughs> I'll be honest. I flipped on the Heat game, and all of a sudden they were like, we're going to flip you over to the NBA lottery. And I was like, what? That's on today? Okay, that's cool. Not only was it on that day, <laughs> but it was on that moment. Like that, right that second. I was like okay. fully prepared. Me and my friends were about to watch the game. I was like, yeah, let's go Heat and stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, it's time for the NBA draft lottery. And we were all like, what? That's like right now? Jeff, knowing you, you probably had the state circled on I your knew. calendar for a while. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. Do you guys like the timing of it? I feel no. like it should be happening after the playoffs. I feel like it kind of yeah disrupts I agree. things. I agree with that, but it also gives teams more time to like make trades and whatnot if they want to. You so can't I even understand. Can you even trade? I thought you couldn't even trade draft picks until a certain point. Well, yeah, but you get like ideas in your head about what you right. want to do. I'm more so like the NFL because they spread everything out, including like through their offseason. Sometimes it gets annoying, but with the NBA, I feel like it's all in season and then off season, you know, free agent moves and stuff. If the NBA was smart, they'd make that their own at its own event, like a separate TV program that would get people to tune in as opposed to having it being completely overshadowed by a big conference finals game. That's also what they should do with the awards yes, the show yes. after the finals with a big award show announce them all I that I don't night. know why they got rid of that have maybe like a hall of fame uh <laughs> party voting on these awards I'm a big fan of that um rather than the media but we're not here to talk about that we're talking about the lottery results they are the Orlando Magic picking first OKC picking second then it goes Rockets Kings Pistons Pacers Trailblazers Pelicans Spurs Wizards Knicks OKC again Hornets, and then Cavs coming in at number 14. Any takeaways from the top 14 picks? Any surprises? Jeff, I know you were uh, looking forward to this. So anything to talk about with the top 14 picks? Not a whole lot. If there was going to be a team that got the number one overall pick, I'm kind of happy it was the Magic. They don't have a whole lot going on there. But they do have a decent roster, so it'll, it'll be nice to see them improve. And at least as far as, as long as I've been watching basketball, they've never really been that good. So it'll be nice to see the Magic potentially be really good one day. I feel like the Rockets could have gotten that first pick. Yeah, but I don't like KPJ. Why? I thought that was one of the worst moves by the Cavs ever. Oh, my goodness. You don't like LeBron James. 
You don't like Kyrie Irving. You don't like Baker Mayfield, but you like Kevin Porter. Jr. Yeah, I have his Rockets oh jersey. Oh boy, that dude is so fun to watch, and we gave up so early on him. I don't care what he did in the I mean, locker room. I kind of understand why. How do you not care what he did? I don't care. <laughs> that's what that's what teammates and help around your program is for. You don't just say, "All right, man." You're a little weird, so we're going to get rid of you. Sorry. You're a little weird. Logan, you're a clown, bro. You're a clown, Jake. Kevin Porter Jr. is so fun to watch, and that was the worst move by the Cavs in quite some time. That dude is a hooper. Jeff, any thoughts on what Logan is saying? Anthony Bennett does exist. What does this have anything to do with Anthony Bennett? You said it was one of the worst moves we've made in a while. Yeah. I mean, I would would rank Anthony Bennett higher than... Kevin Porter Jr., just a little bit. Anthony Bennett was a terrible pick, but Kevin Porter Jr. was a steal, and the Cavs just dumped him because he was a little weird. (laughs) I think he was more than just a little weird. Nah. You watch. He is going to be... I I can't really remember. Wasn't the story like his locker room got replaced by... uh, Torian Prince. Thank you. Got replaced by him. And and then he flipped and was throwing stuff. I don't understand. He was away from the team. We had, like, why would he need a locker if you're not going to show up? I think they should have said, I'll give you some. We as an organization are going to give you some help. And next year, I promise you right now, I'm glad that we save all of our shows. I promise you right now, Kevin Porter Jr. will be the NBA's most improved player. All right. What do you think of that, Jeff? I mean, it's possible. He's a good player, but... There's a lot of other players. That I thought he should have been. I thought he should have been in the discussion this year, not win, but he should have been in the discussion. No, instead of one of the Cavs players was actually in that discussion. No, I'm I'm fine with dropping him. But the fact that you like him and you don't like the actual greats that have played for your teams just kind of confuses me. But um, with the lottery, though, uh, Damian Lillard had a pretty funny uh, viral reaction to Portland spot on stage. Um, did you guys see what Damian Lillard did? Kind of just laughing, sitting back in kinda his like chair. Kind of like rolled his eyes a little bit. Kind of just sitting <laughs> yeah. there depressed that Portland got Because he knows they're pick. not going to pick anything that helps him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, they have a decent roster. They have him when he's healthy and Fernie Simons, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. But they need a lot for them to be a championship contender. And the seventh pick is more than likely not going to deliver He's them that got, type of player. They got to get him out of there, man. It's a name somewhere where he can win a ring. I agree. So tired of watching this dude ball on Come a team to LA, that has no bro. future. Come to L.A. We got you. Yeah. Come to Miami. Trade Dame for Russell Westbrook. I would give up. up. I would give up Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and a second round pick right now for Damian. That's Lowry. not enough. Yeah, no. I don't think it's enough. We were in Portland, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think that place is deserving of one? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, man, I was trying to, like, sugarcoat it a little bit, and then you're just like, no. 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 Was it really that bad? Yes. No. I don't think I saw the sun, Logan. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't It wasn't the greatest uh, area. At least was the motor we center cool, at least? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was cool. I mean, the, the, the area around it was probably the yeah. nicest place in Portland. Navigating but. the motor center was kind of a pain. Yeah, but, I mean, for media, it was, yeah. But, yeah. Because I know you had a hard time in the elevator. I had to ask, like, up. five people where I was supposed to go. Then I had to memorize the route to go get Jake later. So. Yeah, because I had to go <laughs> back to the hotel to make a midterm. Fun times. Mm-hmm. 
Back to the draft, though. Keep on getting off topic here. Um, the Cavs did get the number 14 pick. What do you guys make of this, and who can we expect to take? What can we expect out of a number 14 pick? Do you have anything for me on that? This is about where I expected us to land. We should have been a playoff team, but weren't, so our odds were the lowest. So this is what I was expecting. As far as players we could take here, I want Ochai Baji forward out of Kansas. He's got great size, averaged almost 19 points per game on 48% shooting, and shot 41% from three, and he can defend as well and at times defended the other team's best opposing wing. wing, excuse me. He won a national championship at Kansas and was the most outstanding player of the Final Four, and he can bring that winning mentality to Cleveland, which we obviously don't have a lot of. But there's also another guy that I've seen us take in a couple mock drafts, and like for the sake of taking him to be on Cleveland, I would love I don't think he'd be a bad player either, but I would prefer Baji. But if we take him, I'll be very happy. My guy, Malachi Branham, guard out of Ohio State. He's more of a project player, but he exceeded his expectations very... He very greatly exceeded his his expectations in college. Bro, I can't talk right now. Let me try that sentence one more time. Oh, you're good. He greatly exceeded his expectations in his one year at OSU. Averaged almost 14 points per game on 50% shooting and shot 42% from three. And he could develop into a big-time scorer, and he already has an elite mid-range game. But I would rather us take a more NBA-ready player in Ochai Abaji rather than a project player like Malachi because as young as we are, I don't think we need to waste more time developing talent like Malachi. I was just about to say that before you said it. I, I would agree with the Ochai pick. That's who I would say the Cavs should take at 14. And as much as I do like Malachi, I would say the Cavs are not in a position right now to be developing players anymore. Mm -hmm. I think we need to get people that can come in and make an immediate impact and get us higher than the plan. Because I think we definitely are on the rise. And like I said, as much as I like Malachi, how much does that really help the Cavs right now? And how we'd have to spend time developing him and our time should be focused on advancing in the playoffs and in the standings because we did fall at the end our defense ended look ended up at the end of the season looking terrible after it had been great all season i think that the Cavs just need to focus on other areas as opposed to developing some young player right now do you guys think that ochai brings that to the Cavs? Yes. Mm-hmm. That immediate impact that you're talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. He can give us an additional scoring boost, which we need, better shooting, which we need, and he can defend as well, so we wouldn't have a defensive liability on the court with him. So, Jeff, I want to throw this idea your way. Um, it's just something I came up with. Not something I've been seeing, though. So, you being the college basketball expert, I want to ask you, because I know that we could use um, a knockdown score and a depth piece, but... Personally, I wouldn't mind getting like a backup center to Jared Allen mm-hmm. um, just because I'm not a huge fan of Moses Brown, and we definitely have a lot of trees on our team, but having that consistent guy to back up Jared Allen, um, I would be a fan of, and I see names like Jalen Duran or Mark Williams being discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have any anything for me on them, and... What do you make of the Cavs potentially picking a center? Because I, so, I kind of like that move. I like both of those guys a lot, but I think that we could address a backup center spot with a later pick, like our second-round picks. I would much rather take somebody who can play on the wing 
and can provide a bigger scoring impact with our first-round pick. All right. Great stuff there from Jeff. Let's get into some NBA playoffs action before we get into the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. I want to do a little bit of power rankings for the eliminated teams in the playoffs. So these are only the teams that actually made the playoffs and lost in a series. The plan doesn't count. And this uh, counts for next year, not necessarily how they played in the playoffs, but going uh, forward, going into next season, how these teams that are eliminated watching from their couch are going to play next year. So for the West, we have the Pelicans, Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Grizzlies, and Suns. For the East, we have the Hawks, Raptors, Bulls, Nets, 76ers, and Bucks. Uh, We'll start at number 12. Who do you guys have in last? My 12th power ranking team is the Utah Jazz. We don't know what's going to happen with the whole Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert thing. And in the playoffs this year, Luka missed the beginning of that series, and they didn't win convincingly when he wasn't there. So the Jazz are 12 for me. I would second that. I think the Jazz is ceiling just keeps dropping and dropping and mm-hmm. dropping. And they are so boring to watch recently. <laughs> and they're just a team that I never like they just never do what they're supposed to. So for me they're just they're just that low. They have a ton of talent most of the time, at least as of recently, but just continue to fall short. So I have the Hawks at number twelve. I just think they're too young of a team and Trey Young is just too inconsistent. Sure he'll go off some games but other games um, he'll be ice cold in a very bad way. So I have the Hawks number 12. I just don't think that in a competitive Eastern Conference that they're going to be able to do much next season and in seasons to come. Uh, number 11, though, I have the Raptors. Uh, I just don't think they're one of those teams that can stack up among the teams that are eliminated in the playoffs. Jeff, who do you have? For 11, I have the Hawks. Um, didn't play as well as I would have thought they were going to do this year and in the playoffs as well. They were without Capella, but they only got one game on the Heat and only won by one point. And, you know, when you go from making the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago to only winning one playoff game, that raises an eyebrow for me, so they're 11. I would also say the Hawks at 11, not only because they played the Miami Heat and got smacked, you know, (laughs) but I I just think I would agree with Jake that Trey Young is too inconsistent and they don't really have that much else around Trey Young and they don't have a pick in the draft that will make a difference to help Trey Young. I don't think any free agent is saying, oh, I want to go to Atlanta. Like Nobody wants to play for the Hawks. I just think they don't have much of a future. Not much, They have a future, but yeah, there's just not as much there. Alright, makes sense. Moving on from number 11, let's go with 9 and 10. I have the Pelicans and Jazz coming in. Uh, Same reasons that you guys said for the Jazz. For the Pelicans, I think they could be better next season if Zion comes back, but the Pelicans didn't really show too much. Um, I was kind of debating them with the Bulls here, but I went Pelicans and Jazz for 9 and 10. My 10th, I have the Raptors. Um, They played better in the playoffs than I thought they were going to against the Sixers, and they had a better regular season than I thought as well. I thought they were going to miss the playoffs altogether. But when you look at the East next year, you got Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Miami. We should be a top five team in the East next year as well if all goes well. I don't really see them improving record or standing-wise. So for me, they're 10. Number nine, I had the Timberwolves. They they could have beaten the Grizzlies this year in the playoffs, but blew multiple leads in multiple games. They have a nice young core. I think they'll be better. So I have them at nine. 
I would say Raptors at 10 as well for the reason that they just don't stack up against other big teams. And they've been taking each year, I feel like, more and more of a dip as being an elite franchise. Nick Nurse is a great coach, don't get me wrong, but I don't think them as a team, I don't really see that big of a future. And I would say I would put the Pelicans next. If they get Zion back, that may change my opinion, but I feel like every single time they say Zion's coming back, there's some sort of weird setback. And as the years go on, I think Zion loses more and more credibility as an elite player. Okay, makes sense. Like I said, I was contemplating the Bulls and the Pelicans in that 8-9 uh, spot, but I do have the Bulls coming in at 8, and then the Nuggets at 7. I think the Nuggets can be good when healthy, um, but I do value some other teams a little bit more. Who do you guys have for those two spots? For 8, I have the Pelicans. Um, went on a run at the end of the regular season, made the playoffs from the play-in, and got, got two games on Phoenix. They didn't have Devin Booker, but still got two games on Phoenix. I think if you add Zion to this team with CJ and Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes and all of them, I think the Pelicans can be really good. At 7, I have the Bulls. They had a lot of injuries and were no match for the reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks. But if they're all healthy, they'll be much better next year. I would put next the Chicago Bulls due to the uncertainty of the Zach Levine situation because I think there's a real chance that Zach Levine leaves the Chicago Bulls. And without that, without Zach Levine, obviously DeRozan is fantastic, but Zach Levine just makes that much of a difference for them. And DeRozan, DeRozan can't carry a team. Like he's a great player, but he definitely cannot carry a team. So I would put the Raptor, I mean the excuse me, the Bulls in that position. And then honestly, I would put the Timberwolves next. I think the Timberwolves have more of a future than other teams, like with Carl Anthony Towns, and I think D'Angelo Russell can continue to develop, but. I just think that Minnesota, min, the the city of Minnesota just doesn't stick out to me. I know that sounds Minnesota's dumb. Minnesota's a state, but. Or you know what I mean. I apologize. Geography, Logan. <laughs> I think that they're, they're just not in a market where their fans get excited, and I think the fans make a difference on the team, and I just don't see Minnesota progressing that much. All right, some Minnesota slander there. From Logan. Let's get down to our top three, though. So three through six, I believe. I have the 76ers, Nets, Timberwolves, Nuggets. Um, 76ers, still a great team in the East. If they still have you know that James Harden and Joel Embiid uh, duo, I think they'll be good in the East. The Nets, they're always up in the air. Is Ben Simmons going to play? Is he not going to play? We'll see. And then the Timberwolves. Jeff, I know you're really high on the Timberwolves. Logan, you're not. But you also didn't say Anthony Edwards' name in there as well. Yes, I apologize. Those young guys, they blew a lot of leads this year. But with this experience that they gained from the playoffs, I think they'll be better off next year, which is why I put them ahead of teams like the Nuggets, Bulls, Pelicans, and all that. Who do you guys have uh, going into the top three, but that three through six range? So for me, I got the Sixers at six. I think that... If James Harden and Joel Embiid have a full offseason, full regular season together, they'll be much better. Five, I have the Suns. They've been great in the regular season the past couple years, but as far as the playoffs are concerned, they haven't really proven anything. They were a product of playing not fully healthy teams last year, and then this year they lost a critical Game 7 to a team that hadn't won a playoff series in 11 years, hadn't played good on the road all series in the Mavs in Game 7 this year. Number four, I have the Nuggets with no... um, What's his name? 
on the Nuggets. Jamal Jamal Murray, Murray, thank you. With no Jamal Murray, no MPJ, Jokic carried this team by himself. With those two back, there's no reason they can't compete for a championship. And then did you say list three as well? Yes. So for three, I have the Grizzlies. They played pretty well in the regular season without a job, but that's a lot to ask for in the playoffs. Now they got that valuable playoff experience this year. They can also contend for a title next year, too. I also have the Grizzlies at number three. Logan, go ahead. I would put the Grizzlies at three as well. I think that the Grizzlies have such an such a big future with John Moran, obviously. And then the way they play without John Moran is unbelievable. Guys like Tyus Jones make an immediate impact. Dylan Brooks is a great defender. Big ceiling for the Grizzlies. And they were that close, too. So I think that the Grizzlies, I'd put it three. I would say next, probably the Phoenix Suns. I just don't think Chris Paul has it anymore. I mean, legendary player, 11-time All-Star, but I think they might need to maybe look into options as he maybe don't get rid of Chris Paul, but they definitely need to find another option if Chris Paul continues to play the way he did in that series. And then I would say probably the Denver Nuggets next. I don't like I don't like the Nuggets. I don't like Jokic all that much, but I would agree with Jeff missing Michael Porter Jr., missing Jamal Murray. It does make a difference. All right, top two teams. Fire it off for me, Jeff. At two, I got the Nets. If they can have a season where there's no controversy involved, there's no reason they can't win a championship. And number one, I have the Bucks. They would have won it all if Middleton was healthy this year. I think that trend continues next year. I would say number one, Milwaukee Bucks for sure. Giannis Antetokounmpo is an unbelievable player. And honestly, I, I've slandered the Bucks before too. But I just think out of all the teams, the Bucks have the they always have a chance. And we have to remember, no Chris Middleton makes a big difference. Bucks number one. And Nets Nets would be my two because I think obviously right now, not all time, I think right now in today's NBA, Kevin Durant is the best player on the floor. And I think Kyrie Irving will probably gel a little bit more next season now that the whole vaccine mandate thing is all over with and uh, yeah I think the Nets will the Nets will be back all right I agree with you guys for the number one spot I also have the Bucks. Uh, I think they'll be just as dominant in the Eastern Conference next season and then I have the Suns number two I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt here I think Chris Paul will bounce back sure it might be great for them to pick up another option there but the Suns were this were that close last season um, and I still value them pretty high and the Western Conference also had Coach of the Year, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, after some lackluster Game 7s last Sunday, let's go to the Eastern Conference Finals real quick before we go to break. Game 1, your Miami Heat, Logan, won 118-107 to 107 with 41 points from Jimmy Butler. Four other players from the Heat scored in double digits. What do you guys have for me on Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals? The Miami Heat are the best team in the NBA. It's not even close. I'm so okay with sounding that bias because they are. And that was so fun to watch. And I love, 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 love every time we win tagging Jeff Longville in all of my story posts. I don't even respond, though. I don't know why you love it so it's much. It's just funny. It's funny to me. Okay. But Good to one you, person. 
I tagged. I start, I was tagging you for a little bit, but then I remember that you weren't that big of an NBA fan, so I backed off of you. Now I just it's didn't really... understand it. Like, sure, I didn't think the Miami Heat were going to go far, but I didn't say, like, I didn't, uh, you know, say, no, they're not. Like, I didn't. Right. That's why I backed all. off you. But Jeff, Jeff's getting tagged every time we win. All right. Well, that's going to come to an end pretty soon, but whatever. You'll see. Okay. I will see. Game one, though. Anything for me on that? Not much of a surprise. I expected Miami to take game one at home, home court advantage. Boston was coming off that grueling, emotional, hard-fought series against the Bucks. Nothing really stood out to me there. Game two, though, the Celtics come back. Won 127-102. to 102. Not looking so happy now, Logan. Listen, I have two takeaways from that game. One, we deserve to lose. We played terrible. Two, Duncan Robinson should be arrested for burglary for the amount of money that he stole from Mickey Arison and the Miami Heat. That was unbelievably... When, he only gets garbage time minutes. Don't get me wrong. He is so not the reason we lost. But we're paying him like $50 million and we threw him in in garbage time and this dude went oh for like 8. Every time he took a shot, it hit the rim. It bricked. Airballed. It, it's, it was embarrassing. That was an embarrassing game by the Heat and I could tell that Jimmy was irritated. Heck of a way to respond after a loss by the Celtics. They've been doing it all playoffs long. Jason Tatum played great with 27 points on 8-13 from the field. And to preview what's going to come up in Game 4, I expect him to respond after this bad loss in Game 3 as well. Yeah, speaking of Game 3, the Heat won 109-103. to They had a 21-point lead after the first quarter, but Jimmy Butler had to leave at halftime because of right knee inflammation, letting the Celtics back into the game. But the Heat did close out the game victorious with Bam Adebayo scoring 31. Any takeaways on Game 3? I sure hope Jimmy's injury is not super serious because I will be the first to say if Jimmy Butler is not on the floor, we lose the series 100%. But if Jimmy Butler's injury is not serious, I Adebayo really stepped up for me. That was huge. And I would say that if if Jimmy Butler's injury is not serious, I've said it before, honestly, I think every game is going to look like that. Just these either blowouts or super close. And I think, honestly, I've said it the whole series, it, it's going to go to seven, I think, if Jimmy Butler's healthy. If Jimmy Butler is not healthy, then forget it. This series is over. I would agree. These games have just all been just... The disparity has been immense at times. Um, With no Robert Williams on the court for the Celtics, Bam 8, like you said, Jake, 31 points. Uh, Kyle Lowry came back, and I liked the way he was pushing the ball up the court a lot. It gave the Heat some nice looks. Um, They withstood the comeback by the Celtics with no Jimmy Butler, who didn't play with knee inflation, like you said. Victor Oladipo started for him and had four steals after not playing in the first half at all. And that really impressed me. And then Jason Tatum, like I alluded to earlier, only had 10 points on 3 of 14 from the field. And then Marcus Smart, we saw him with that ankle injury. He came back and played, but Marcus Smart's really tough. He might have just been feeling that adrenaline in the moment. We'll see what happens with that. But I expect the Celtics to respond after this loss. Yeah. What about Jalen Brown in that game? 3-2, scored 40 points, became the first player Mm -hmm. in the playoffs during the shot clock era to score 40 points on 100% two-point field goal shooting. Uh, So great performance by Jalen Brown in Game 3. And I agree with you, Jeff, for Game 4. I expect this to be a back-and-forth series. The game is in Boston, and the Celtics should come out with some vengeance after Game 3. And I expect them to tie this series tomorrow night at 8.30. What do you expect from Game 4, Logan? I 
I also expect a tie to the side of the series. I picked, like I said recently, I I think this series goes to seven, and I knew that they were. I honestly knew they were going to get one in Miami, and I figured the Heat would get one of the two in Boston in the first four games. So I would, as much as I don't want to say this, I do think Boston probably ties the series. All right, some great action in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's time for us to go to our last break. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about the Western Conference Finals and then get into one of my favorite sports, baseball, and talk about the MLB with some new segments coming up soon on Sports Power Talk. Don't go anywhere. What's going on, everyone? We are back with our last segment for Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jake Murren, and I'm the host of your show today, joined by Jeff Longville. The Mavs make me sad. As they do to me as well. Logan Congrove as well on the show. Miami. He. Yeah, we're done talking about them. You didn't, you didn't get the memo. We're done with them. <laughs> I love we'll never monotone. be done, Jake. I love how monotone you were there. I'm a heat lifer. Yeah, whatever. Western Conference Finals. <laughs> uh, Warriors Mavericks Game 1. The Warriors won 112-87. to Steph Curry, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Luka Doncic, only 20 points. Warriors had six other players scoring double digits. Do you guys have anything for me on the Game 1 dominating performance from the Warriors. Hey, I don't like Steph Curry. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I really don't. I just don't like the guy. I second that. I, I think really his commercials are pretty good, though. I'll say that. The but crypto one is pretty cool. Can he retire and stick to commercials? That'd be nice. That'd be cool. I don't have um, anything against him. Oh, man, wow. Jake. No. So, I've let it go. All right. I've let it go. So you're a Cavs fan, right? I know. Yeah. I won't even talk too long about this, but I just got to call you on it. So you're a Cavs fan, and you have no issue with Steph Curry. I did, but my issues more so lie with Draymond Green. I like okay, when I think about the Warriors, and I—I I mean, obviously Steph Curry is the guy on that team in that franchise. But you know, Draymond Green. If I'm talking about the villain of that team, I more so attribute that to Draymond Green than I do Steph Curry. Okay, I won't even argue that. That's a valid point. Yeah. Um, going back to Game One in the West Finals, for me, this is about what I expected. I expected Dallas to not play very well on the road. And that's what happened. They were minus 19 in rebounds, minus 10 in assists, minus 6 in blocks, minus 12 in the paint, minus 11 in fast break points, down by 30 at one point, lost 112 to 87, and a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah. Very nice there from Jeff Longville. Mm-hmm. I expected it as well. I, I knew that coming off that series, the Warriors are just, we have to admit it, the Warriors are just that much better of a team than the Mavericks. So I expected the Warriors to win at home in game one. And did you guys see Mark Cuban, Lil Wayne, all that beef on Twitter? Mm-hmm, I did. That's funny. They finally shook hands. They shook hands yesterday, though. I love Lil Wayne, but like he needs to lay off. My oh boy. yeah, that's all I got. It say. was it was a funny little two day beef, but yeah, I expected the Warriors to get that one. Game two, though, a little bit closer. Warriors <sighs> beat the Mavericks one twenty six to one seventeen. The Mavs led by seventeen with eleven seventeen left in the third quarter of the game. But they were outscored 25-13 to 13 in the third quarter and ended up losing by nine, even though Luka Doncic scored 42 points. What did you guys make of the game two? Jeff, you look crushed. I, I was so happy, man. I was so happy. 
Uh, the Mavs came out playing much better. They did a much better job on the glass. They jumped out to an early 14-point lead. Then Golden State made a run and cut it to three in the first. But then Dallas responded and increased the lead again. And were up by 19 at one point. And then Golden State went to a zone and left the three open for Dallas in the second half. And Dallas missed all of, if not mo- or most of, if not all of their threes. They didn't even try to attack the zone in any way, shape, or form. And that terrible offense by the Mavs fueled the Warriors on offense, and they overcame that 19-point deficit. And by not shooting threes every single time, by actually getting in the rhythm of their offense, and that's how Golden State overcame that lead by the Mavericks. And Kevon Looney, first of all, Kevon Looney's turning into an all-star before our very eyes. He, he especially did a better job on the glass for them. He was following the shot blockers, getting those easy lay-ins. Had 21 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 offensive rebounds. And Steve Kerr coming back for the Warriors has helped them tremendously. They dominated in Game 1, and they helped erase that deficit in Game 2. Yeah, I I think Jalen Brunson is very good. I didn't realize how good he is until the playoffs, honestly. He he could definitely be, for the future, for the Mavs, he could be a number 2, number 3 player to Luka. But other than Jalen Brunson... Luca has no help, and it's becoming more and more obvious, mm-hmm. and that's going to hurt them a lot in the remainder of this yeah. series. So can I pose a question to you guys? Because it's been brought up a lot. In the sense of talking about just the performance in this year's playoffs, not historically, who's the best player left in the playoffs based off how they performed this year? Jason Tatum. This, okay. I would probably say Jason Tatum as well. Mm. I was kind of hoping you guys would say Luca there, but okay. no. Luca's not. Luca would be second. More than just the playoffs. No, just just in the playoffs. Like so right far this second this year. <sighs> Jason Tatum. If if I'm handing out an MVP trophy for the playoff uh, players right now, it would go to Luca. Thank you. I appreciate that because he's been the one man on the Mavs, and literally just that one man who's gotten them this far. Whereas like. Jason Tatum for the Celtics, he definitely has more support. That's true. Than Luka Doncic has for the the Mavericks. So I apologize. I have a man crush on Luka. If you guys couldn't tell, sorry. he's probably my We're second allowed. favorite player behind LeBron. We're allowed to have man crushes. That's okay. I'd still stick with Jason Tatum. Mm. Three of fourteen last night. I'll be honest. Like I've paid more attention to the Heat, obviously the Heat Celtics uh, series, right, than obviously. I have paid attention to the. Mavs Warriors. I've watched Mavs Warriors, but I've been more in depth with the with the Eastern Conference Finals and watching Jason Tatum play is insane to me. Would you say he's mini Kobe like when Marcus Anderson? No, that was one of the worst <laughs> takes I've ever heard in my life when Marcus we said love that you, on Marcus. Her. I love you Marcus man, but that was pretty outlandish. I wasn't even really sure how to respond when you said it. But no. I I think that Jason Tatum is right now the best player in the playoffs. Well, Game 3 going on tonight at 9 p.m. Who do you guys have in Game 3 tonight in Dallas? i got to believe that Dallas takes this game, right? I have to believe it. They've been playing much better at home throughout the entirety of the playoffs. I say they get Game 3. Golden State wins again. I think it's close. I think each game gets closer, but I'll be fully honest. I think the Mavs are getting swept. As much as I don't want to say that. I think the Mavericks get swept. I think tonight I think tonight will definitely be closer than the others. I think Luka will obviously perform again. And Jalen Brunson's going to have to have another big game because, like we talked about, 
he has no help other than Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, I think Warriors take it again. I'll give Game 3 to the Mavs because they are playing in Dallas, and I think Luka can carry them to a win. I still think the Warriors win this series, and I have them winning Games 4 and 5 to advance to the finals. So uh, I do like the Mavs tonight, but not in many games after that. But let's talk about MLB. Let's talk about baseball. Um, Jeff, your favorite sport. Let's you get know into it. it. Let's break. Let's break it down. All right. Let's start with some power rankings. We did it for the teams eliminated in the NBA playoffs. Uh, let's shorten the sample size, though. Five teams. Who are your top five teams in the MLB? Personally, I think it's a race among the Astros, Angels, Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, and Brewers. But that's six teams. Do you guys have those? You guys not? Let's start at number five. Logan, I'll go to you first. Number five, I would say probably the Astros. I think. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. I put the Astros at five. Just not an Astros guy, but they are. They are a good team. Don't like them, but they're a good team. I'm so happy right now. I never thought I'd be this happy with Logan. The trash Astros, I, I should say. But right now, I'm not happy. You like the Astros? So it's everybody knows I don't like baseball, and I'm aware that the Astros, what they did was not cool. But as somebody who doesn't really care, I think it's funny. So I pretend to be an Astros fan. That's okay. all it is, really. All right. I would put them at five. Who's your number five? Oh, wait. Team, you Jeff? said that for five. Now I'm mad at you. No, they're five. <laughs> for me, I got the Milwaukee Brewers. They're top ten in OPS and ERA this year. All right. Fair enough. My number five team is the New York Mets. They're 27 and 15. Uh, Tyler McGill has been a breakout starting pitcher this year, <laughs> even though he is currently on the IL, they're second in the league in strikeouts, and they lead the major. They lead the majors in hits at bats, and are second in batting average at two fifty four. So I have the Mets number five. A lot of uh, lists have them higher. I'm assuming you both have them higher. But going to number four, who do you guys have in that spot? New York Mets at four. Uh, I would agree with everything you just said about the Mets, and I know he left, but I'm still a Frankie fan, so. I would put the net, the Mets at four. Not playing well, though. No, he's not at all. Didn't play well last season either. Shouldn't have left. Shouldn't have left. Jeff, who do you have number four? I'll take the Mets. Uh, they lead the league in hits, at-bats, and second in batting average at two fifty four this year. All right, fair enough there. Uh, number four, I have the Houston Astros, 26-15 and 15 record. Disgraceful. I mean, they're they're good, but I don't think they touch the top three teams on my list. They went on a 17-4 and stretch where they were third in scoring in the league and held opponents to a 2.52 run, uh, runs per game. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is batting 256, which is a little low slash like mediocre, uh, but with 12 home runs and 23 RBIs. Um, he's a problem at DH in the Houston Astros lineup at number four. That's where I have them. Going to the top three teams in the MLB, though, at number three, Jeff, I'll go to you first on this one. Who do you have? I have the Los Angeles Dodgers. They've had really good pitching despite Clayton Kershaw being put on IL. And Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman as the first two at-bats is working very nicely. I would say three, I'd put the Milwaukee Brewers. They're in a tough NL Central division. And I think that they have a good future for the rest of the season. And they're playing quite well right now. So number three, I also have the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, kind of interesting that we both have them here. A lot of lists have them at four or five, maybe even six. 
I value the Brewers a lot here. They are 26 and 14. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10 games. Even though their offense has been inconsistent, they have the best starting rotation in the league with a league-leading 411 strikeouts. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, not the same player he was, but he's still 5-2, and two, a little high in ERA at 4.76. Uh, Corbin Burns won the NL Cy Young last year. He's 1-2, not much offensive production when he takes the mound, but he does have a 2.26 ERA. And then Eric Lauer, a breakout pitcher this year, he's 4-1 with a 2.16 ERA for the Brewers. You have those three guys pitching back-to-back-to-back. It's a rough series for other teams. I have the Brewers at number three. Number two, who do you guys have and why? I have the L.A. Dodgers at number two, like Jeff alluded to. Unfortunately, Clayton Kershaw not playing right now. But Mookie Betts, fantastic. And I think the the Dodgers are, first of all, they're a super fun team to watch. And I almost forgot about Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was a huge addition for the Dodgers, and I have him at two. That it was, Jeff? So my number two are the Yankees. I don't care how upset you are. I don't care. They have two of the best hitters in baseball, and Giancarlo Stanton, that's how you pronounce the name, right, Jake? There you go. And obviously Aaron Judge. And Nestor Cortez could win the Cy Young this year. I don't like the slander, but whatever. I helped you with that, by the way. I helped you with stats, too. I mean... (laughs) More times than you helped me with Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo is... No, it's not Giancarlo is one of my favorite players, man. I like him. I always liked him. I, I feel like he was. I feel like you could read his name and get it right the first time, whereas Fine. like for Terry Stotts or Stotts, mm-hmm. you, know, I, you might get it wrong the first time. No, no nobody I gets never. Terry Stotts. How wrong. would you mispronounce? You. How would it be Stotts? Always the only vowel in his name, dude. I've pronounced this so is many first UFC. grade, Jake. Dude, I've pronounced so many UFC names. I can't. I. That's his comeback every time he yeah, pronounces yeah, the name. It is. Talking about UFC, bro, dude. You don't even want to touch me in UFC names. I showed you that name during the break. I'm you, not going to say it because You said you didn't I'm even not... know you were, at, you were right, though. You don't even yeah, know. Yeah, because I haven't done my preparation for the show yet because it's next month's pay-per-view. Mm. But I think I know it. I think it's like Joanna Zerzerzek. But, like, it's a kind of a mouthful. Like, the Zerzerzek. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I think that's right. But um, I'll have to look at some audio and pronunciation files for that. But, no, number two, I have the Dodgers here. Uh, 27 and 12. They're on a seven game winning streak right now. You guys mentioned their injuries at starting pitcher with Clayton Kershaw, but something that sticks out to me is that they still have the, an MLB best 2.83 ERA as a team. So even with the injuries that they have to their starting pitching rotation, they still lead the league in ERA as a team. And then you guys mentioned Mookie Betts. He's back, man. He had a triple, or he was a triple shy of the cycle yesterday and has a 273 batting average with nine home runs to start this year. Uh, last season, he was inconsistent and not the greatest. This year, looks like Mookie and the leadoff hitter for the Dodgers is finally back. Number one, though, let's get it over with, Jeff. <laughs> Number one Houston Astros, baby. Ew. They responded to a slow start by going 17 and four. The great teams know. How to respond. Let's go America's team, Houston Astros. America's team. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, my number one, unfortunately, because I don't like them, is the New York Stankies. (laughs) And I I don't like the Stankies whatsoever. But 
like Jeff alluded to, Nestor Cortez probably going to be the Cy Young, in my opinion, and Aaron Judge crushing balls. And I'm a big John Carlos Stanton guy. I liked him in Miami, of course. Go Marlins, you know, Miami, 305. But I, yeah, Stanky's at one. I also have the Stankies at one. Yeah. Uh, they have an MLB best 29 and 10 record, and they are 8 and 2 in their last 10 games, so they're surging right now. Uh, like you guys said, Nestor Cortez on his way to a Cy Young Award potentially, uh, but also Michael King has been a great uh, piece in their bullpen, and they have guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Anthony Rizzo, even Josh Donaldson, who can hit a homer in any given at bat. I forgot they had Josh Donaldson. Yeah, making some bad headlines recently. Um, we won't get into that, but uh, some Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson drama between the Yankees and White Sox. Unfortunate for everybody involved. Um, but yeah, Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, Judge Stanton in there too. I mean, they're all great players. So I do have the Yankees number one, um, but Yankees and Dodgers honestly are a mix up for the one and two spot. So no. We'll see what happens. No. There. The Astros are like three, four, five. No. Anywhere in there, I'm fine with. Astros are the best. I know you're just like a meme right now, Jeff. But <laughs> I can't help but like take it It is seriously. what it is. All right. Well, it's time for a new segment. I wanted to introduce this, and I want to do it every single week to bring a little more a little more something to this MLB segment. Um, I know not everybody up here at the station is a big baseball fan like I am. But by including this segment, we can give a bit more shine on some players in the MLB and some achievements that some of these guys are getting. So um, this new segment is just Player of the Week. Um, Each of us is going to pick one MLB player to feature for Player of the Week. Uh, Regardless of position, it doesn't matter if they are a pitcher or a batter. And it could be for accomplishments on or off the field. It could be a feel-good story. Um, It could be that this player mashed... 12 home runs in one week. It doesn't really matter. Um, just whatever player that you want to feature, absolutely go ahead and do that. So I think it's going to be a fun segment that we're going to have weekly. Um, Jeff, I'll go to you first, though. I know you might have had some trouble looking at players since you're not the biggest baseball guy, but um, I'm curious to see who you're highlighting here. So I'm going to go with Martin Perez because he pitched a shutout versus the Astros, no less. You do that against the Astros, that's something special. A complete game shutout on Friday. Mm-hmm. Gave up eight hits and one walk. Had five strikeouts in that game. Um, yeah, great, great game for Martin Perez. He's also three and two this year with a one point six four ERA. So really low and a standout pitcher. So I like the pick, Logan. All right, this is the name pronunciation that I might get clowned for. Oh goodness! I think my player of the week is going to be Adley Rutschman. Is that how you pronounce it? I think, yeah, I think you got it. Okay, cool. Adley Rushman, MLB's top prospect, finally making his debut for the Orioles. And I think that was pretty cool. And like you said, it could be a feel-good story. That's why I picked him. I think it's a feel-good story to see the number one prospect in the MLB finally making his debut. Logan, did you steal my notes? No. I think you stole my notes. No. I want to go with my, like, runner-up for player of the week now because I don't want to say what I had. But, no, I, I also had Adley Rushman as my MLB player of the week. Um, more of a feel-good story, but in the minors, he batted 282, um, had 30 home runs in 179 games, had 38 doubles, three triples, and scored 117 runs. This man is MLB's top prospect 
and he was called up yesterday. He had an amazing video where his teammates embraced him as he received the news. He had his family in attendance for the first game at Camden Yards. And even though the Orioles lost, Adley would go 1-3 with a walk and a triple, making his first major league hit that just completely erupted the crowd. If you have not seen that video, go check it out. I'm sure it's all over Orioles socials. Um, Really good for Adley there. Top MLB prospect paying off for a team that doesn't have much hope. Um, So good for the Orioles, good for Adley. He is my player of the week as well. And I'll give a side shout-out too because there are many standout performances this week, one being Wilson Contreras. Um, I didn't put this on our outline, but I definitely wanted to mention this guy's name because he hit a grand slam this week. It was in the first inning on Monday. So he hit a grand slam in the first inning, whatever, uh, great stat to have. But it also marked his 100th career homer, another great stat to have. But there's one more thing to this stat that makes it really interesting. He batted leadoff in this game. So he had a grand slam in the first inning as the leadoff hitter. So the batting rotation went the whole way through. Just so happened that he got back up to the plate with bases loaded and hit a grand slam. Only 10 players have done this since 1901. Wow. Last time this was done was George Springer in 2016 just a crazy stat right there i'm honestly surprised that's happened 10 times since 1901 leadoff hitter grand slam first inning also his 100th career homer just a little cherry on top there wow so wilson Contreras had a great time this week also josh rojas and trevor story both had three home run games josh rojas went three for five on friday with the three home runs he is batting 283 this season as the Diamondbacks shortstop, second baseman, outfielder, and third baseman. So a very versatile guy there for Arizona. And then Trevor Story went four for four on Thursday with a single and three home runs and a seven RBI performance. And then on Friday, he went one and four with a grand slam. So he had 11 RBIs in two games. So with those guys, are we still sticking with our player of the week? Still going Martin Perez there, Jeff? Mm-hmm. And then you're not changing Adley? I'm not changing Adley. I'm not going to change Adley either, but it, it pains me that you picked him because I thought none of the, like you guys would not pick Adley. I was expecting Trevor Story from both of you. Um, but yeah, this is what this segment's all about, giving those guys some shine. So uh, great for those players that played well, and we'll see who plays well this coming week for next week's uh, Player of the Week segment. But let's talk about the Guardians. Not a great week for the Guardians, a couple postponements. But we did get swept by the Reds in a two-game series. We lost 5-4 to four and 4-2. to two. You guys have anything for me on our terrible series against the Reds? Embarrassing. The Reds are garbage. We should not have been swept by the Reds. The Reds are a poverty franchise at this point. And they don't even have Joey Votto. He's not even playing right now. He's in the minors rehabbing. So... And kind of embarrassing by the Guardians, in my opinion. I was going to go. My friend asked me to go the night I got back from Florida, and it was the night that we lost in 10. So I'm really glad that I did not. I would have been very frustrated that I got off a plane and watched them yeah. lose. That game was interesting because Jose Ramirez struck out in the 10th inning with bases loaded when we were down a run on Tuesday night. I was, like, screaming at my TV because there. I think it was the second pitch of the at-bat where it was a ball and it was inside and Jose Ramirez like moved out of the way. The bases were loaded. We were down by one run. You know, that 
take one for Should the team. Should have let him hit it. Yeah. Maybe even lean into the ball a little bit, get hit by the pitch, take your base, tie up the game with, um, I think it was would have been Owen Miller coming up next with bases loaded and for a chance to win the game. But no, Jose Ramirez struck out. Tyler Naquin also had a great series. Um, and we get swept by the Reds. So not a fun time there. But did, Cal Quantrill did have a great start against the Reds in the 4-2 to loss. Cal Quantrill, is he our best starting pitcher? Yes, I think so. Okay. Why is that? I think that he just, I think our team plays the best when he's at the mound. I think they have confidence in him as the starting pitcher. Definitely lacks offensive run support, but that's not his fault. Right. Jeff, do you have anything for me on Cal Quantrill? I would also say yes. Just looking at the stats, he's pitched the most innings amongst Guardian pitchers at 41.1 and has a decent ERA compared to everyone else at 3.48. Yeah, you're right there. Um, Bieber has a 3.72 ERA. Plesak with a 4.42 ERA. Uh, McKenzie with a 2.97 ERA. Uh, Savali's is way up there at 7.84. I don't think he's our best pitcher, but he might be more of our like more consistent pitchers in our rotation. Shane Bieber is still definitely our number one guy. Uh, just needs to get it going. Our whole starting rotation needs to get it going. Um, nobody has a winning record yet with our starting pitchers, so we definitely have to get it going. Uh, kind of reminds me of like the, that our offense is still a little inconsistent, but better than normal. And now our pitching is taking a, a slump right now. So we'll see what happens there. Jose Ramirez was considered day-to-day with a bruised right shin. Um, but he's doing just fine. Hit an RBI single in that at-bat that he uh, fouled the ball off himself and had a triple and a three-run homer in his next game against the Tigers, which Aaron Savale pitched in, had a great start himself, 6.1 innings pitched, only gave up three hits and a walk, had three Ks, and picked up his first win against the Tigers on Friday. So good to see that from Aaron Savale. He completely owns the Tigers. This upcoming week, though, we play the Astros three times on the road, 26 and 15. Are you going to tune yeah. into any of those games? you going to watch any of those games? Depends Jeff? on what I got going on. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. And then we play four-game series against the Tigers again uh, on the road this time, 13 and 26 are the Tigers Right now, today, we'll wrap up the series against the Tigers at 140. It will be Shane Bieber taking the mound at uh, 140 against Alex Fado. 0-1, 2.87 ERA there for Alex, the starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. Our starting lineup is Miles Straw, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor is back. Then it's Fran Reyes, Andre Semenez, Stephen Kwan, and Austin Hedges batting ninth. So we'll see what we do today against the Tigers. I do have confidence with Shane Bieber taking the mound, though. All right, well, that will do it for today's show. We talked about college football and the NFL, along with NBA news, the playoffs, and recent MLB headlines. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen? Mavericks, please beat the Warriors. Cavs, draft Ochai Logan, you're the type of dude to wash your car when it's raining outside. I actually did do that last week and was pretty embarrassed, but <laughs> I was pretty mad about it. See, so, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it wasn't raining, and then as soon as I pulled out of the car wash, it was. So I was pretty embarrassed. But side note, go Heat. You know, you already know the deal. Can't wait to win the finals this year. Tyler Hero, best player in the NBA of all time. And uh, shout out to Haley, bro. Told me to say hi to her on air today. So hi, Haley. 
All right. Well, for me, I would have to say go Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud will win the Heisman Trophy next season. I love Kyrie Irving's maturity over the years in terms of his playing career. Go Cavs, go Guardians, and I can't wait to see Josh Naylor take the field today. Make sure to check out more SBT if you missed a week by going to SBT Rewind on all podcasting platforms. This episode will be up tomorrow morning. Also, Sports Power Talk Overtime is available on all podcast platforms where we discuss sports that don't get the spotlight on this program. We have a special professional wrestling episode dropping tomorrow, so don't miss that either. Lastly, follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports to participate in this week's fun around the real question. Joining me for today's show were Jeff Longville, Logan Congrove. We will see you next week, same time and place for more SBT. Until then, have a great Sunday, everyone.